The three best words to describe the 12s, loud, louder, and loudest. We all know that the 12s are the best fans in the world. 126th consecutive sellout at CenturyLink Field. The entire building is shaking. And we want to hear from them on our podcast. Fans are, are die hard. That's why we've created a show dedicated to you, the 12s. I managed to pull off a winning on the 50-yard line of the Seattle Seahawks football field. From that point on. We were Mr. and Mrs. Seahawks. Yep. Your stories. Never stop believing in your team. Your opinions. I'm passionate about the Seahawks because they're my team. Your platform. This is music to my ears. I love it. I've been doing it 42 years. The noise don't bother me none. I make most of it anyway. You're listening to We Talk to Twelves. Welcome, listeners and watchers on YouTube. We're here with a new segment today. Um, we're going to get to know Seahawks fans, 12s throughout the world. We're going to be speaking to people from every background, every country possible. And this is a section we are calling We Talk to 12s. Uh, this is Josh, if you couldn't tell. Uh, and I'm here with someone that you probably will all know. You will see him on his social medias. He does a lot of work with the charities as well. Um, it's Captain Seahawk. Captain Seahawk, how are you doing? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting in a hotel room in Cape Town, Africa. I, the day started in Seattle. I went to New York and then I picked up a flight from New York to Cape Town. It was about a 15 hour flight. And so we arrived and uh, now it's time to sleep for a bit. I have two days here. Tomorrow we're going to, I'm going to hike up a mountain called Lion's Head. Yep. And I hope I don't die. <laughs> and, and then I'm going to finish that and then go hike up uh, Table Mountain, hike up, but I'm not sure if I, but go to the top and get some pictures, some videos, uh, wave the flag around and and post that on social media. Oh, amazing. I can't wait to see that. That's going to be it. It, it. When you get the opportunity to travel, I'm I'm a massive advocate of this. My old job used to have me traveling to far-flung countries throughout the world. And now I'm, I'm stuck in uh, the southeast of England doing my job, but it's nice to be close to home. Um, I mean, with this, obviously, with this being a brand new segment, um, for those of you who, who won't know, who haven't heard it, you haven't spoken to anyone who's on the pod before, um, we want to get to know you. So for this episode, we want to get to know Captain Seahawk. We want to get to know a little bit about you, your upbringing, what you're doing now. I mean, you gave a little bit of a way there, but please tell us. Yeah, it started on uh, in Canada, we call it First Nations, or in America, it's called Native American Reservation. And it's really interesting when, when people first ask me, like, where are you from? You know, and, you know, we've been in the same location for about 20,000 years. So my I was born and raised on a reservation and, and uh, it's still there. And it was kind of a really chaotic uh, upbringing. I've been interviewed several times and it was, uh, I grew up and it was kind of chaos because everybody was picked up and they were forced to attend residential schools. Wow. And of all the residential schools in North America, we had one of the worst where the majority of the kids were raped, tortured, and some were murdered. 
and nobody knew this for years and years. And there was a lot of uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, suicides. And I thought this was just insane. <clears throat> and one day I was, <clears throat> I was watching James Bond and Bond was uh, dancing in the bottoms up bar. No, he was drinking a, a martini in the bottom, bottoms up bar in Hong Kong. And I'm like, that's where I want to go. I want to get out of here and do that. <laughs> And then I seen a Pan American pilot with his white hat and his uniform, and I decided to become an airline pilot. And then years later, one 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 guy stood up and said, "I was raped by a priest." I don't want to bring this too negative, but then yeah. everybody said, "It's like too dark." <laughs> yeah, but that you know that's my upbringing was just chaos, and nobody knew why, and I left. And uh, you know, I was really angry for a lot. I'm not sure if you heard, but pope the pope of the catholic church church came to canada to apologize for the atrocities committed on thousands of children but that really influenced my upbringing to send me where i'm at right now i had to leave i didn't know why i said i i'm not going to die here and i left and i became an airline pilot i went to an aviation college and i became the first native american ever to be hired by a major airline and wow. you know, to me, it was nothing. I'd I'd show up for an interview flying smaller airplanes, and you know, I'd talk to somebody on the phone, and a brown guy would show up, like, "No, we're not hiring right now." But I didn't care. I was, uh, you know, from it was kind of a kind of a rough upbringing, and my first career choice is actually a boxer, a professional boxer. So oh wow! I trained to be what, a boxer. What weight? Was, I was one fifty eight. What like okay. welterweight? And so I was training in the in the east side of Vancouver, Canada, a really rough section. I trained there for a couple of years. And, and so I just grew up as a fighter and I wasn't going to fail and I was, wasn't going to accept no as an answer. So I just fought myself all the way up to be an airline pilot. And it wasn't an easy journey, but I never, you know, let go of the goal. And I, at 42, I became the youngest 747 captain at United Airlines or any major airlines. So it was a pretty meteoric, to me, it was, it was pretty fast, but I had a goal to be an airline pilot. So I started on the reservation, became an airline pilot, and I was kind of just cruising along. And then uh, in 1985, when I was hired by United Airlines, uh, I was a, a, a DC-10 flight engineer. And this captain says, hey, do you want to go to a Seahawk game? This is in 1985. I'm like, I've never been to one. So, uh, you know, from... By 1985, all the way through about 2013, I was just like everybody else. I, I didn't even have a jersey. I'd just go and drink there, basically, and party. It'd be just a kind of a celebration. <laughs> and then we won the Super Bowl, and some professors at Burke Museum did research on the logo, and lo and behold, the headdress came from my Native American tribe, the Kwakwaka wow. Vancouver Island. And you know, if you could just imagine waking up one morning and there's this team and you just discovered that your family crest is the team's logo. And you're like, like a little light bulb went off. Like I need to tell everybody in the world. So I Googled how many people in the world are NFL fans. And there's 40 million people are NFL there are a few fans of us. So from that day forward. <laughs> that day forward, it became my goal to tell everybody about it. And then a few years after that, uh, my cousin asked me to join the Warrior Society, and that's normally reserved for young men in their early twenties that they're, you know, they're they're really on track with their lives. They're not 
partying too much and just doing good things. So they're allowed to join. And here I was in my late fifties and I'm like, I'm too old and I, I just can't. And I've, I've always forced my children to try everything one time, whether they like it or not, they have to try it. And in the end, most kids love it. You know, they've tried every kind of sport and every kind of activity and it really changed my life. Um, you know, I got kind of half naked. I came in as a wild person and I danced around and I went back and I changed into a warrior and I came back as a warrior. And, and you know, you'll talk to people who have been baptized into Christianity and they'll say, oh, that changed my life from that day forward. And, and it really, it really changed my life. And I decided to really help people instead of just being goofing around and just going through life. I really focused my energy on helping others. And it, it really, uh, it really changed my life. Uh, just, and I, I got a year left of flying and this is going to end soon. Cause it costs a lot of money to go to every single game. Cause mm -hmm. I have to miss work. And then with, Oh, so you have to say vacation? No, I, I, I'm very senior. So I dropped my trips. <laughs> and then I pick up trips. I pick up trips around the games, and they're not very desirable trips. This isn't a bad trip, but uh, so I kind of work my way around, and it's just expensive and time-consuming. So we're going to cut back, and and of course, there's a, every once in a while, some guy jumps me, and I got to fight somebody. Like I, I, I had to fight some guy in Los Angeles last December, and it's really bad. You know. It, I'm not, you know, back in the day, fighting was acceptable, but now it's a felony. And it's, you know, you go to jail, it's really bad. And, and it was, Do you mean that again? It you had somewhere. really sorry, you had to, so in, in full, in full Captain Seahawk yes. gear, yeah, had like to I fight someone in LA. Yeah. At the game, he was crazy. Like, there's only two people, like, people that know how to fight don't fight because they know, yeah. A, they can injure somebody. And, they there's no need to there's only crazy or drunk people that want to fight and <laughs> so this guy jumped me and the police came and they didn't throw him out because he wasn't drunk he was just crazy he was just I'm, I'm like this guy cannot be around me so i went to my boss the next day i'm like hey boss that you know you'll probably see a video of this but i was you know i this guy jumped from behind and, and he says you know you know you just can't keep doing this you know it's like once or twice a year somebody jumps me and it's just it's really crazy. So there's that, the money, the time. And so we're probably just going to uh, scale it back to just home games. And I've been yeah. saying this for a couple of years now, but it's so addictive. It's just so crazy. And, and it, the Captain Seahawk just keeps, seems to keep snowballing. I'm getting more interviews and there's more stuff. And, and the players are getting really close. Uh, you know, we, we meet the players on the road and you know, it's one thing it's just like, uh, you know, hey, Quandre or something. I was walking through a hotel lobby and Quandre's Captain Seahawk, come here. So I go over there. He introduces me to his family. We sit down and, you know, when wow. we meet his wife and his kids. And, and we just, you know, how are you? You know, where are you going? And what are you doing? And it's that's probably the biggest part. It's really get the note the players on, on a one and one. And of course, on game day, it's kind of it's kind of funny because they really get into a game mode and they. And they block everything out and they have their headphones on they'll run right past me you know and, and, and i don't i don't take it personally I'm, I'm glad they're more focused on the game than getting autographs but every time they see me they stop i'll have a litany of stuff to sign and it's just my brain is just like i, I had a west this last game i had a west virginia geno jersey 
I had a, uh, a Sean Alexander jersey and, and I have uh, different markers for every one because, you know, on, on the yellow, the black works and then on the white, the silver looks better and I got to shake it and it's, it's just other chaos trying to get all these autographs and I go home and I got to take pictures and I, and I start a new charity. I try to do it every week, but I'm just doing this by myself. And it's it's a lot of work, and I really um, I get behind sometimes. But in the end, once I send push send on the check, it's very rewarding. And and I tell people once when people stop sending me money, I'm gonna stop doing this. But people just continue <laughs> to send me money, and it's more and more. And I'm grateful for every dollar and 100% of it sent. And that's kind of my donations. You know, I, I donate to other charities myself, and we attend charitable events. But, you know, that's just part of me giving back for what I've, I've given, I've, I've gotten and, you know, I've, I've done, I've done a lot and, you know, just keep doing it. I suppose, but when it comes to charity as well, it, it, it's the selfishly, the, the, the feeling of, of doing something for someone else becomes a bit addictive. I used to do, I used to be a DJ and my friend, um, I'll give him a quick plug, the Robin Cancer Trust. So he, his, he unfortunately lost his brother to uh testicular cancer and he he created this um this cancer charity for, for young people they specialize in testicular and ovarian cancer so germ cell cancer um and he started by doing charitable gigs at the the bars that i used to dj at and then we used to do them all for free and we'd help with the collections we'd go and do the various fairs and festivals they were at and and the the fact that you're helping spread the word and you're helping give back it's such a fantastic feeling so i i i, I doff my cap to you sir for for doing all that it's it's fantastic i mean i anyone who who spares their own time to do something charitable in my eyes is an absolute legend i, I can't get yeah. over that That's, i mean i i see a lot of this like i said on social media yeah if you just said you're, you're at the games quite a lot i mean in 1985 i don't want to make you feel old but i was one <laughs> when you went to your first Seahawks game. <laughs> yeah. Now I've I've been following the Seahawks for Crikey, where are we now? Um about sixteen years. Um I randomly watched them. We used to get them on Channel Four here. Um so I know we spent time in the UK, Channel Four, one of our terrestrial TV channels, used to show late night NFL. Um mm. so it was one of those where put the tv on when you're not supposed to you're supposed to be in bed and the seahawks one of the first teams i ever saw um and then i thought i really like them i like the way they play i like the, the uniforms and then i drifted away a little bit and then came back and sean alexander was in his heyday and that was a man that made me fall in love with the seahawks just watching him run and the i'm, I'm a rugby or ex rugby player myself so the intensity that he brought to every single play I, I really got on board with that and it sort of snowballed from there to the point where I have a, a baseball cap addiction I'm a member of the UK Seahawkers I uh, my my wife now every time a, a new package comes through she anticipates it being a new bit of Seahawks gear I mean, with with sort of my cap addiction if we're talking about headwear please tell me about the headdress that you wear because I know there are you you have that do you have them specially made and you have so many of them Oh boy! Well, let's start with the the origin of the uh, <clears throat> the headdress. Yeah. So both of my grandfather, we were banned from potlatch, and the word potlatch potlatch means to give away. So a potlatch is a celebration, and you invite other tribes and family members, like a thousand people, into a building, and you would sing and dance. So they were banned 
in Canada and America for a hundred years. Uh, luckily, my grandfathers would go far away in the bushes and do it, but the police officer would still sneak up. And, and if you got caught dancing or singing, you went to prison. Both my grandfathers went to prison for dancing and singing. So what they did is they would get orange crates, orange and apple crates, just like boxes, mm -hmm. right? And set it on there and they would just paint the side of the dance they were doing. And after they finished the dance, they'd take the, the, the orange crate, put a little drawing on it, and they'd burn it. So when the police came, there was no evidence that there was any dancing. Uh, the original ones, like, uh, you know, like those great big headdresses. I, when I finished my, uh, my warrior dance, I was given that headdress. You know, those run, they, they would take a carver like two or three months to make that headdress. So, uh, and the, the current, the, the, the headdress that the Seahawk logo was, was uh, copied from, I'm fairly certain it was stolen from our tribe because the police officers would take all the stuff and they would sell them to museums and, and collectors. So oh, wow. right now that headdress is sitting in the University of Maine. And one day <laughs> when I'm retired, <laughs> I might just walk in there and pick it up. I'm like, hey, we're taking it back now. Thanks for Yeah, this is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was sitting in a coffee shop one day trying to think what to do with my, I just had a foam head. And it all started years ago and in 2012, I just had a foam head hat on. Somebody said, can I have a picture with you? I'm like, I, it's a foam head. Go to foamhead.com and, and get your own. And then I decided to put a little bit of dreadlocks, just short ones, because I've seen Marshawn Lynch with uh, dreadlocks. And then I was sitting in the coffee shop and I seen this, this plaque, a Seahawk plaque. I'm like, wait a sec, what if I did that? I asked the guy to make it like an orange crate. So I went, I found the guy and I tried to tell him the story and like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he said, come on out here and we'll fix this out. And so you know, we just started doing it and they just sucked. They were too big, they were too little, they weren't balanced. And I probably went through about 30 of them. In the meantime, I, I was giving them out. Like the first one I gave to Pete Carroll, that's sitting in his office. Oh, awesome. And then I started, and I started selling them for charity. The very last one I gave was to DJ Dallas. Uh, in the last game last year, DJ Dallas was going to, I said, you know, I see everybody jersey swapping and DJ, DJ Dallas kind of walked around by myself. I said, hey, DJ, I'll, I'll swap you this headdress for your jersey. Said, okay, we'll do it. So he, he couldn't get the jersey off. And he says, just give it to me in Seattle. So I gave it to him in Seattle, but I think he forgot. I, I think he, something happened because now he kind oh. of avoids me. <laughs> it was it was a wolf gray jersey it was kind of at the moment but so i i marshawn lynch has one it's sitting in in his uh in his dining room i gave that to him after the uh the green bay game and it was yep. you know we lost the playoff game it was snow and it was cold and and marshawn was just pissed he was angry you know he was out of shape and we lost and and uh but I got to see him in, in Las Vegas last year, and he just like cracked up. He, you know, he was—you never see Marshawn laughing, and he was so happy to see me. I'm like, yeah, I got these dreadlocks from you, and you know, I'm glad you got. You know, I, I really love playing you. You know, I, I'm just like a 16-year-old or 12-year-old boy when I see players. I just start <laughs> stuttering. I'm so happy. Yeah, fun boy. So yeah. yeah. So the so the headdresses, they really evolved, and then. Unfortunately, my headdress maker uh, decided to end his life, and I was so mad. I was I went up there and, and I, you know I never he was a, a Vietnam vet with some issues and 
and I went up to his place and I was so mad at him. Like, just, you know, don't be a jerk. There's, you know, I, without you, there's no Captain Seahawk. Let's put it that way. Let's start there. Like, you have no idea how much you mean to everybody. To, and, and so we just, you know, I went up and did them and, you know, we just talked and, you know, like, what was the greatest moment in your life? What was the status moment? You know, I knew he was going to end. And, and um, so, you know, as, as you know, you, when, when somebody wants to end, you, there's no stopping them. And he did. And, and in his will, he gave me everything, all the templates of all the stuff. So I, I and right now wow. I've got kind of like a one year mourning period where I'm not going to build any more headdress. I'm actually running out because I've been giving them away for or selling them for charity or raffling them off. So in a year, I'm, I'm going to start looking for a woodworker, but he, he, he was just an amazing craftsman. If you ever get to see my headdress up close, they're just amazing pieces of work. The, the, I have two designs. One's a Seahawk design, and the other one's from my cousin, Andy Iverson. Everson. He's a world-famous uh, artist on Vancouver Island, and he did his version of the Seahawk logo, and I called him up and said, hey, Andy, can I borrow you that design? So, as long as you don't sell it for a profit, you can use it. So I've used that design over and over. It's there's a male and a female version of the Seahawk. Wow. And 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 then from there, so I have one my headdresser passed. So I have that's him. Then I have a designer for my headdress. Then I have a person in Nebraska. I was just emailing them last night. Uh, they disconnect their email. They make my braids, my dreads. And yeah. I wanted them to do a, a, a red, an, uh, a black, red, and yellow for the German Seahawkers. So I need that. Because I got an interview coming up on Friday, and I wanted the dreads, <laughs> some German dreads. So I got the dreads. And then I got an artist. Uh, he spray paints. Uh, he's close to, he's just an amazing artist. And what he does is, uh, I'll have an out wing. I've seen, I've seen the ones that come yeah. out, yep. Yeah, so he'll paint the outside, and, and then the inside he'll paint it. So for the salute to service, I, I don't know if you've seen the cancer one. The cancer one's outside, and then I posted on Facebook. I said, if anybody wants, on one side, I'm going to have those twelve that have passed due to cancer, and on the other side, I'm going to have cancer survivors. Within about ten or fifteen minutes, I filled up both sides. And then I'd, I'd, I'd write their name down and I'd take a picture and then I'd text them the picture. So they all have a copy of, of their name or their loved one's name on my headdress. So that way, you know, 12s get to go, the, you know, they get to come with me to a game and scream as loud as I want. So it's always in the back of my mind, just what's next, what's better, what can I do to help or what can, you know, it, it's always changing because if I go to a stadium, some people say, you wore that same thing yesterday, last game, you know, like, or you have that difference. So people are always yeah. looking what I'm wearing and, you know, it kind of brings excitement. So I'm always changing my costumes, changing, changing around. And it's just a never ending project. Uh, so, so I got that. And then I have this, this lady named Syl. She blings it. She puts the rhinestones on it. So it's a total. Of You've got a whole five. team working on them. Yes, there's five people <laughs> that, that put a headdress together. And uh, it's just, it's really crazy. It, it, you know, each one is a piece of art. And like the, I did one for 12s that passed due to COVID. 
So the first game back from COVID, I, I said, you know, is there anybody want to put their name on my headdress for those that passed? And I filled it up right away. And uh, I just don't know what to do with that headdress because it's, you know, it's really personal. It's really, I, some of, I have probably about four friends on there and I don't want to, I don't want to really, you know, wrap it off or give it away. And the Super Bowl one is is, a, is probably my biggest masterpiece. And I don't know what to do with that either. Because, I, you know, I, in this last Super Bowl I went to, you know, we weren't fans of either team. Mm. But it's kind of sitting there. So I, I still have some headdresses. It, it's ever-changing. It's kind of the highlight of, of my costume. So that, that's what people see first. So I really put a lot of work into it and a lot of thought. I, was, I saw the. Uh, I've I've been out to Seattle for work. I've, I've been to the stadium, but it was it was outside of the season, so I was absolutely mortified. Um, I've not been to a game in Seattle yet. It's on the bucket list, and I've I've just got married, so I'll, I'll have to wait until the funds clear first. Uh, but we went to the. I went to the London game, and I, I saw you were there as well. I, I didn't get the chance to come and see you though, and I was I was I was absolutely gutted because um, I was I was following it on because um, I was working a night shift, so I was following all your, your your posts on Instagram and everything as well just to see exactly what you were doing, and I thought oh, I'd be amazing if I could sort of get a photo because I, I like I said I've I've got a, a bit of an affinity for for indigenous people from around the world, um, and I thought that would be absolutely fantastic to get a photo, and then I can sort of try and spread the word as well. Uh, but we're doing it here now, which for me is even better by the medium of video and audio on our podcast. So we're on to a winner. I mean, based on, we've 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 discussed see where you've come from, which is it's it's a real fight to, in my opinion, a fight to the top from where where you started to where you are now, because you I've knowing people that have been aircraft pilots that it's a, a bit of a slog to get there. You've spoken about when you first got on board with the team and how it's evolved and grown. And the fact you, you said to me earlier, how you tend to go, do you go to home and away games? Um, and at some point, maybe that might die down a little bit. Um, what are your current thoughts on the Seahawks at the moment? I mean, we on the pod have got, we have our favorites. You mentioned one of them, DJ Dallas. We love the wolf on our, uh, our podcast. Tariq Woolen is currently one of James's. Um, Pez, who is the other host, um, Jordan Brooks and Ken Walker are currently his two. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the the trenches. So Abe Lucas, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think this rookie class in general have been they've really brought a spark to the team, uh, and they've they've really shown the qualities that we look for in the in a good Seahawks draft class because we've had a few, a few dodgy ones. We've had to, we've pulled out some gems, but there's not been real consistency. I mean, what, what, what are your thoughts on the team at the moment? Oh, I, I you know, I, I used to, football is like a, like an incredible chess game. There's so many moving parts that as you well know, as you, you're a professional at this, and I, I've sat down and tried to figure out and I could never figure it out. And I used to post, <laughs> stuff on you know like what's going to happen my prediction and it always backfired <laughs> but so i i, I kind of just focus on, on the individuals you know i like i met gino about a week after he got he arrived and i've always been a big gino fan and you know he was kind of moping around as, as the backup quarterback for years and like come on gino you're next you're coming up you're ready and and i was i was so happy to see him you know his quarterback rating's high and he's doing great mm-hmm. uh you know, Tariq, uh, I went to the first day of training camp and I was talking to Tariq and just kind of BSing and 
and now we see him all the time and and you know he comes over hey captain what's up and he always signs and it's really cool but I, I think he's gonna, he's gonna finish off the season with eight interceptions. That's my prediction. And he'll, he'll we, we, we've got the same. <laughs> he'll be the defensive rookie of the year. But he's such a humble guy. He's he's you know yes sir and and just just a polite, really nice guy. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the rookies are are just amazing. The, the two guys up front. Yeah, you know, they are so serious. They, I haven't got. They're game day. They're both Charles and Abe. They're just they just look straight ahead and they're so focused. And uh, but you know I, I I really think we're you know this this next game may you know I, I always say this is an important game but you know if if we can start winning and getting on track it, uh, I think we're really going to turn the corner like like the Eagles and the Philadelphia Eagles are. You know, undefeated right now, and they always How? seem to crash. <laughs> you know, it, it's really scary the teams that start fast because they have no injuries. And you know, we lost our number one defensive player, our highest player is gone. And so, it, you know, I, I've been watching this for a long time, and you know, I just, I just tell people just sit back, relax, and then see what happens. Like, not one person bet the Cincinnati Bengals would would be in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, and there they were. And, and so, in any given Sunday, any any team can win, and and you know, there's we have a chance of going. It's just getting, as you well know, getting all the pieces together, getting everybody playing together, and you know, Jordan Brooks is doing a lot of stopping right now. And you know, I, 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 com- I, I commented on your Facebook post the other day. Uh, I think well, it was earlier on today or yesterday. Yeah, so it'd be the, you'll see Josh Edwards, and you you mentioned about Brooks's tackles, and I, I said the and I've, I've mentioned this on the pod before because I'm a big fan of Jordan Brooks, but the fact that his tackle numbers are so high for a yeah. man who loves the trenches, it it's indicative to me that there's an issue in those trenches where people are either getting through the D line yeah. to be tackled by a linebacker, or they're getting around, which means we're not putting the pressure on the quarterback enough to stop these short in routes or the slants, which yeah. means they then play straight into Jordan Brooks's wheelhouse. Luckily, Jordan Brooks can handle that. There are linebackers in the league that can't. But I'm, yeah. I, the fact he's getting the numbers, it, it screams that he is... He's going to be, and I, I, we, we think this on the pod, he will be a defensive captain in a year yeah. or two. Um, I think he, he's going to end up being an all-pro if he keeps developing. Um, he'd make a few pro bowls, um, although now it's just flag football and skills challenges, so I'm not sure what a linebacker is going to do there. Um, but yeah, he, he's uh, as, as, as remiss as I am to, to say it, he shouldn't have those numbers. Um, it's yeah. impressive that he does because it means he's not missing many tackles. Yeah, I'm not. Is Al Woods out tomorrow? Have you heard that? I I've I that. I looked at the inactives and I think he was. Um, so he was there was the the solid inactives are definitely not playing, and then the, I think he's on the sort of maybe list. I need to double check. I tend to do a lot of my checking the day before. Well, well, today. So I'll be doing it tonight after this. I'll have a full check just to because uh, I need to adjust all my fantasy teams as well. Yeah, he's Al, you know if Al's healthy and Puna, you know those those guys are really good blockers and and they put some pressure. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if Bruce Urban uh, how he does. You know if he's able to get any sacks. But and another thing, you know, the deadline the trade deadline's coming up soon, November first, and. You know they moved some money around, so they might be doing some kind of splash and surprise us. But 
you know, I, 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 I see, it seems like I run into uh, the general manager every couple of weeks and I would, I always want to ask him like, what, you know, how crazy is your brain? Like, I want to ask John Schneider, like what day is your in total insane day? You know, is it when a couple of players get injured? Is it the day before draft or, you know, it, it just seems like he's always busy wheeling and dealing and trying to shuffle the parts and, and trying to decide who's going here and who's going there. But boy, it's just a massive puzzle. And, you know, we, we have just as good a shot as anybody with our two good receivers of going anywhere. And if D. Eskridge really picks it up, that would really help. That that would be, yeah. seeing him as a true number three wide receiver would really help us. I mean, he's, his volumes increased over the last couple of games. I mean, was it he had three targets and got three catches last last game, which is absolutely fantastic for him because I had really high hopes from last season and I was I, I was so a little bit upset by his injury because being an ex rugby player, I've had concussion. I know how how serious it is, and we spoke about it on our pod as well. Um, and it's the fact that he's coming back slowly. They're starting to put him into the game plan because you saw at the start of last year he was being used in a lot of jet sweeps. That seems to be what they were planning for him. Um, and now, if he's going to come in and get some receptions, I'll be I'll, I'll be ecstatic because it means we've then not got to go out and try and get another wide receiver to pay them where we could focus on some real areas of need. We are talking about the trade deadline coming up. I have my fingers crossed for Roquan Smith. I'd love to see that in the middle with Jordan Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, a running back, the LA Rams running back there. Cam Akers. Thinking about it. Yep. Yep. And uh, maybe DJ Dallas will really kick it in the gear. I think DJ is really taking it serious this year and really, really buckling down. And, uh, you know, if he takes off that, so I'm, I'm hopeful for that. I'm hopeful every year, you know, until we're completely out, even when we're completely out, I, you know, even we're out of the playoffs, I'm the first in the stadium, the last to leave every single game, because, you know, the truth be told that, you know, they risk their lives. And, you know, some say, well, that's, you know, you know, you have two guys running headfirst towards each other. You know, they're so fast. They're so big. They're so strong. You know, and, and I do say a prayer before I, into the stadium, uh, you know, praying for the health and safety of the players on all teams because it's such a dangerous. Hey, I, I played rugby also. I played scrum forward. Oh, really? In I see. High school, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I played hooker and number eight. So I, I actually paralyzed myself playing rugby with a, a spinal oh, injury. Wow. So, but wow. Chris Carson's injury and his subsequent surgery is exactly the same as what I had. So when we were reviewing it on our pod a few, well, before he re-announced his retirement, I called it due to the nature of the injury and the surgery. And I said, in a position like his, where it's just head first all the time, it's not worth it because the, the repercussions yeah. of that are not worth it either. Um, so he, he made the very wise choice. I mean, I, I'm very much the same as you. You've played rugby, you know how competitive and the contact element of it. In American football, you are allowed to lead with the head. And yeah. it, the the chances for a spinal compression or an injury are huge. And that's something that no fan or player wants to see from yeah. anyone. Because it, it can be a freak accident that can do it. I mean, people like Cam Chancellor had to retire due to the same sort of injury. And it's not what we want to see. I mean, with, with that, I mean, Captain, I'm going to press you for one final question. What is your prediction for our win-loss by the end of the season? You don't have I to give always... me an answer, but... No, I no, I always I always go seventeen and zero, but I, I can't do seventeen and zero now. 
but you know, I, I I just predict a win every single game, and and that, I don't know that that's why I probably scream so loud, or I'm just so excited. I, I you know just you know we're we're gonna win every game from here on in. That's my prediction. Four, Fourteen you and know. three. That's what I like to hear. Yep. Fourteen and three. Because <laughs> you know why not? Why not be optimistic? You know and. Yep. You know, and so that when I go, I go to the, uh, I go to the stadium and I, I high five the guys and I'm like, you know, we're going to win today. And I'm, I, I hope you know, they, they can feel just one portion of my positivity and my excitement and, you know, that, that we're going to win this game. But they don't need it. I'm just, just a fan. And all I do is I just scream as loud as I can and just get there. But it's just such a rush. And what's interesting, my wife, I don't know. If, I'm pretty sure my wife doesn't know what a podcast is, so she's probably not going to hear this. But she was. We were going to get divorced because I was gone. I was flying, and I'd go right from work. You know, I'd fly around the world and come back and go right to Green Bay or on the road or go home. And I was gone all the time. She says, "You know, we're going to get divorced because you're never home." So I said, "Why don't you come to a game with me?" So if you ever, and I don't like taking people to a game because we stop every 10 feet for a picture. In fact, we have a picture, can you do this? And, and it's really annoying. But, you know, I, I stopped for every single person. And so a little light bulb went up. So she went and uh, Halloween is her favorite uh, holiday. So she ordered some cheerleading outfits. And now she dresses up really sexy. And everybody, she's more famous than I am. Cam Hawk <laughs> is, you know, all the little girls come up like, you know, they think she's a Disney princess. So, you know, she's the same way. You know, the, our, our days is just a whole day of football. And she, she's all excited. And she loves the game. And now she really understands the game, how complicated it is. Cam Hawk needs to talk to my wife because my wife just doesn't get football or my obsession with it. I took her to one game yeah. at Wembley and she just sat there going, she, she loves rugby, but foot, American football, I think is one step too far for, her. and I've tried to explain the, the intricacies of it. And she's, she, she's not that way inclined. So if yeah. we ever come out to Seattle, I'll come and see you and I'll, I'll let her talk to Cam Hawk and hopefully yeah, she, can, think, she can bring her into the fold. Yeah. I think meeting a player brings it up another level when they come up to her and they, they, you know, they shake your hand, they look in the eye and say, Hey, how are you doing? And stuff. I, I think when you're just looking at something, but then you see them up close and like, Oh my God, these people are massive and they're humans, you know, and, and they talk and they say hi. And, and it, it just adds a whole new dimension to it. But what we do is a lot different uh, than most people. Like we, we don't tailgate because we have to be the first ones in the stadium. And, and we're, as you see in my videos, we're the very light. We we leave when the ushers kick us out, just in case. You know, even after the interviews are done, we wait until they pack up all our stuff. Then we leave. You know, that's that's showing full support for your team. Yeah. You know, because it's you know, like, you know, it's kind of sad when people leave early when we're losing, because you know they still have to play. They and they want to win, even when they're losing. You know, it's embarrassing to lose, and, and they're going to keep playing the whole sixty minutes. So. We stayed till the very end. We're the very last to leave the stadium. Good. I mean, that's to be honest. I think don't think any sportsman goes out there to leave. Although there, there have been some stories from other teams in the NFL, but we won't go there on this pod. They're, they're not our focus. Our focus is the Seahawks. I mean, with that, Captain Seahawk. All I, all I have to say is thank you so much for being our first guest on We Talk to Twelves. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and getting to know your your background, your history with the team, getting to know a little bit about. What makes you tick as a fan? Because that—that's what we want to hear, and that's what we're about. I mean, I—I I will happily be telling everyone where to follow you. But if you'd like to tell everyone where to follow you on social media, 
Now's your time, sir. All right, Facebook, it's uh, Captain Seahawk and Cam Hawk. Instagram, it's Captain Seahawk NFL. Twitter, it's Captain Seahawk. Uh, TikTok, I still, it's hard. Just doing the three of them is hard. Uh, I'm tipping my toe into TikTok, and that's Captain Seahawk also. But, you know, it's been my honor and pleasure. You know, know, the more I get out there, the people will look me up, they'll see me on TV, and then they, they see what they uh, what they can do and they donate. That's really, it's you know I'm, I'm going to keep going for a little bit longer, but it, you know I, I appreciate yeah. all of you advertising and and getting out there. Now, well, we we, we just started our TikTok up as well. Uh, our listeners will know where to find us, but I will make sure I put that on all of our posts. We'll we'll be telling everyone that we've interviewed you through all of our social media posts, which will be on Instagram, Twitter. We now have a TikTok, so if I follow you, I expect to follow back as well. Um, but Again, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Give my best to to Cam Hawk as well. Um, and I can't wait to see what the season brings and can't wait to see you at the games as well. All right, cool. Thanks. Go thank Hawks. you very much. Go Hawks.